Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. This is another podcast of World Wide Wave, the international LGBT news and current affairs show, every week on Australia's first LGBT radio station, Joy 94.9. Surfing the globe, bringing you news, views, and current affairs for the LGBT community. This is the World Wide Wave. Yes, it's World Wide Wave time. Joy's international news and current affairs show for and by the LGBTI community. We take you around the globe one queer story at a time. I'm Matt and I'm joined tonight in the Victorian Pride Centre by Alex. Hello, hello. A very big court ruling happened uh, last week, but you may have missed it. The High Court in the former British colony of Antigua and Barbuda struck down the colonial era sodomy laws including up to fif- that included up to 15-year um, prison sentences um, that came with convictions. What makes this case even more interesting was the role that the government played in the final decision. So not only will we learn about the country and what life is like for LGBT people, we'll also uncover how significant this court ruling is, not just for Antigua and Barbuda, but also for the rest of the Caribbean. Joining us tonight is Kanita Placide, the Executive Director of the Eastern Caribbean Alliance for Diversity and Equality. Here's a taste of what's coming up tonight. But without political will in the Caribbean, these things will never go through Parliament. And you also find that as long as you are an elected officer, to take on such an issue is political suicide because you can never guarantee that you'll be elected next round. It's all about winners tonight because it's been a great win in the Caribbean. Uh, so send us your your greatest win, uh, your greatest victory. Might be something in the sporting field, might be in work life, might, might be... Might be a chicken dinner. Might, <laughs> might be simple as that. Now, the number of countries around the world where homosexuality or homosexual acts are illegal is decreasing. In 2006, the number was 92. Now, with the Caribbean nation of Antigua and Barbuda... Repeating, repealing, sorry, their sodomy laws uh, through the courts, that number is 70. Half of these countries have one thing in common. They are all part of the Commonwealth of former British colonies like Antigua and Barbuda. One group that is championing change in the Caribbean is ECAID, the Eastern Caribbean Alliance for Diversity and Equality. They were a key partner in the successful constitutional challenge in Antigua and Barbuda, highest court. We asked ECAID's Executive Director, Kanita Placide, how they reacted when the ruling was handed down. As you'd understand it, this strategy has been like years in the pipeline. And so having 
a decision in one of the five cases that we are currently leading, really setting a precedence, um, setting, uh, being able to have that example set by Antigua, we were elated. You know, we actually felt like it was months of waiting, you know, for that pin to drop. Um, but having a positive decision in the manner that it came across is also one that's fitting to tell the story because Antigua is one of the few examples of a case. We can say the Attorney General came to the table, there was negotiation on terms agreed, and then the court then supplemented with an agreement of the terms um, agreed upon. And so it's an interesting case where we can say there was not really a defense, which is not normally um, the traction or the direction a case like that will take. And so I think Antigua in particular took a different direction and the decision that came out of it was what was expected to come out, which is a little different than where the other cases are where there is a defense and we don't know. So. Antigua happened to be one of the nine remaining countries in the Caribbean to now take this buggery off its constitution, which means that we now have eight countries left with such a colonial era law still active. And, and, and that's big. And that's big. Yes. And look, you've mentioned there, so it's been running a long time, seven years, I believe. Uh, why has it taken this long and... Uh, how were you persistent and did you stay on top of it? Well, I think when we look at the seven-year strategy, a strategy that has been in existence for seven years, that, that's a better way of putting it because it didn't say seven years of getting to this point. It was a strategy that was uh, created um, in 2015. And our first aspect of this strategy focus on community and focus on organization structures and building, mobilizing of people, um, understanding the security landscape, understanding the communication landscape that was necessary, and all of those. Because the one thing about the Eastern Caribbean Alliance for Diversity and Equality, we did not just look at the legal landscape of the case. We also looked at the fact that we were bringing people to the table, the fact that we were asking people to come to challenge this law, how can we also ensure protections were there? How do we also ensure that we could communicate about this case efficiently? Um, we also made decisions around not communicating anything about the cases until a decision like this was out to protect the people on the ground, particularly, who are putting their life on the front line because the Caribbean has not always been kind to LGBT persons and we have known a few gays who have been killed because of the assumption of their sexuality. Then the advocacy part around communicating and getting people to understand why stigma, discrimination and violence should not come to LGBT persons. So all of these things were happening in the mix of applying for the case. And one of the other things, too, was taking time to make sure the persons, the claimants, 
before coming forward was also ready because we didn't know when you filed this constitutional motion whether this case would have taken one year, two years, and if we take example of Bailey's case, it took 10 years. You know, so we were not sure and we made sure that the claimants were in it for the long haul. And so we really took time to prepare and we could say happily that those cases had been filed between, I think, 2019, 2020, and now seeing results in 2022. So that's a pretty decent time track, understanding that we're also operating during a very heavy lockdown and change of operations during COVID. You mentioned the Belize case, and there's also been the Inter-American Commission on Human Rights ruling a few years back as well, which both of them really stated that LGBT rights are human rights. Did that help your case as well? So we have the Belize case. We also have a Trinidad case, um, Jason Jones versus the Attorney General. And you had the ruling in the Inter-American Court with uh, Gareth Henry. And, you know, at this point, we can also look at the case in India, also being referenced because again all of those are really precedents at different levels through different courts saying that this is something that's being challenged we got a lot of lessons learned from all the cases that you talk about and this was one of the things that helped us prepare understanding what was done before what are some of the things we should not do and how we should move around it so they definitely helped both with understanding civil society participation in that and what was done and not done and what was good, best practices. Also, challenges learned. And these were actually ways that we were able to navigate our own case. So we definitely learned from both the court and as well as the activists on the ground. But also, you know, the international instruments signed by our governments and what did that mean in relation to what is not necessarily brought to the domestic level um, and those things also matter we have obligations to international instruments but we also have obligations to our people as a citizen to ensure that any law does not necessarily discriminate against you and when the government kept on saying that the law is applied for all we just had to piece of how this law is not about all but it's about certain or some and then that made it also a point of this is the ground under which we can bring this. That's Kanita Placide, the Executive Director of the Eastern Caribbean Alliance for Diversity and Equality with us on Joy 94.9. I love that uh, line at the end when when um, the uh, people opposing put it up to say that, you know, these are laws for everybody and they were actually pointing out, no, these are laws for certain people, for some people in the community and what they're trying to do. They actually used privacy as mm. their um, pitch to the Constitutional Court and the language that came back from the judge I found really um, quite powerful it says that the right to privacy extends beyond the right to be left alone and includes the concept of dignity of the individual aspects yeah. of physical and social identity and the right to develop and establish relationships with other, other human beings. So it's really um, um, powerful and, I think, emotive words. 
Yes, much more than just, you know, um, yeah, it's about, you know, normalising this, you know, um, sexual relationships identity, and, relationships, yeah. you know, not uh, this old idea that, you know, uh, it's fine if you just keep it hidden away from society, mm-hmm. you know, we'll tolerate it. Or we um, have the laws on our books, yeah, we don't yeah. actually use them. We don't use you know. them, yeah, mm. but this is actually like, yeah, um, showing that there's much more to privacy. Coming up, we find out how the government influenced the ruling without taking a bill to the parliament. This is World Wide Wave. Where our diverse communities can come together. Joy. Hola, mi nombre es Félix de Colombia. You are on World Wide Wave on Joy 94.9. We'd like to know your stories of any wins. They might be little ones, they might be big ones. You got any to throw into the mix? I have pretty conventional a sporting win. I was in the 2002, feels like a lifetime ago, uh, 2002 Sydney Gay Games. Yes. I got a silver. For what? In uh, mountain biking. Oh, wow. It's a weird event because you don't really know where you are until you get to the end and then you find out the rankings because it's all timed, of course. Um, you're not racing in a pack. So, yeah, it was fun. And I didn't have no idea. I got to the end and then I won the event. And then, oh, you got a silver. Wow. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Still have a I, I was at the Gay Games in Sydney as well playing yeah. softball, ah. mixed softball, and there was a Sydney team where they cherry-picked all the top players. Yeah. And we were the leftovers team, but we were just there to have a really good fun. You know what? We beat them. The Americans won the gold, but we got silver and they got bronze and they were not happy, Jan. So, yeah, there's a a nice win. That's a spoiler. Back to our winners tonight. Uh, the Caribbean nation of Antigua and Barbuda is free of their colonial-era sodomy laws thanks to a constitutional court challenge by local LGBT groups. What made this case different to other cases in the region and across the world was that the government had a voice in the final ruling. The Attorney-General provided direct input to the draft ruling and that input was overall positive and supportive. We asked Kanita Placide, the Executive Director of the Eastern Caribbean Alliance for Diversity and Equality, why, therefore, this challenge couldn't have been made through the Parliament instead of via the courts. I think that's a totally different aspect. Um, When we look at Parliament and we look at the ministers who are elected individual representatives of that of the people, if they do not necessarily feel the people want them to move on this, it therefore remains that the the majority would hold the minority at hostage because if they don't think that this is something... And I mean, when we did the public perception of LGBT persons, it told us a lot that people actually thought that people who looked at, who identify as LGBT should probably be on a different island, should be somewhere else. So I think there's a different political will to actually put the name, and this is my opinion, that there is not the political buy-in or what we call the political balls to move this forward in parliament. However, it's a little further remote when we can say it's the court decision that we need to respect. And that's a different aspect. But we also saw, like, for example, the Attorney General could have come to the table and completely argued the case. Instead, he says that he, on behalf of the government, have left the court ruling, you know, basically to the court. 
but then did come back to the table with our attorneys and they went through the different points on our claim and actually went through a discussion and negotiation on points they agreed on and where they were taking the matter to supply it to the court. So the court pretty much knew that the Attorney General and our attorneys had discussed and agreed basically on the law being unconstitutional, which was the first ground, um, you know, and a number of other points, including age of consent and so on and so forth. Um, but without political will in the Caribbean, these things will never go through Parliament. And you also find that as long as you are an elected officer, to take on such an issue is political suicide because you can never guarantee that you'll be elected next round. Yeah, so the, the court can sometimes be a convenient thing for the politicians as well. Um, you alluded before about some of the experiences of LGBT people. Tell us what life is like if you're LGBT in Antigua and Barbuda. There are two aspects to life in, in Antigua and Barbuda. You can be heterosexual passing where people do not know that you're gay and your life is probably going to be very easy. If they know that you're gay, you would get some heckle and jettle. You know, there's some levels of stigma and discrimination that happens. Some level of violence in terms of people wanting to come at you. Sometimes pressures can actually be so tough that your own partner can probably try to figure out how to be loving at home but in public with totally de-associated. So relationships might actually be a bit dysfunctional trying to navigate personal life in general society. But I have to admit that a number of persons still have made the island home. This is home to many. Um, whether it's Antigua, St. Lucia, Dominica, St. Vincent, St. Kitts, Barbados, you know, LGBT communities still exist. And so people are still able to create home even in those kind of atmospheres. question is, how good a home is it or how healthy a home? And so I think it all depends on where you're coming from, which part of the country you're in, what you have access to, and what kind of profession you're in. You know, if you're a doctor, you're an engineer, you're, you know, there's a totally different respect to you than somebody who might be a shop attendant. And, and people also play those there's also a different level of respect. If you are a fair color or high color person compared to a darker shade of brown or black person, those things also play part in terms of where people... So apart from being LGBT, there's also the shade, there's also your socioeconomic class, what kind of family you are from and so on and so forth. Those other factors also play major roles in how you're able to navigate or how society classes your boxes. Is it also different within the LGBT community? You know, is it easier being gay or lesbian or trans or bisexual or is it all sort of similar? So in the smaller islands, we have one, two people identify as visible trans. You don't find many on one island especially the small islands I'm focusing on here. Um, gay men, there is more violence thrown at them, so most of them would not necessarily be visibly out. Um, you would find one or two who are. Lesbians are probably the ones who get the less 
head to. But let me tell you what the reality is. If you are an effeminate man, you know, outwardly showing, more than likely you'll have more trouble. If you are an extremely male-presenting lesbian, that the two extremes that people tend to try to discriminate, heckle a lot, and violence may come to them. The others that are closer in the spectrum of cis-passing, when you look at the macho men or the lipstick lesbians, those cannot necessarily just be seen. Then they get a pass. And so that's what we find with a lot of the small islands. And the small islands, you know, they are close-knit. And so sometimes, you know, it's interesting the way you, I might hear something from Antigua before somebody in Antigua hear about it. Like something happened here in St. Lucia. Somebody from outside saying kids, Dominica, might be calling and say, Kenta, you know this happening in the St. Lucia. And I'll be like, are you over there? You know this before me. Because the island and the people and the way they communicate even across islands, you know, is that close-knit. Um, and so I think that this is what poses the problem. And the fact that we consider ourselves highly religious. And so majority of the time, there's also the issue of the morality coming in. Where is your values, where the church is. And many persons who call themselves Christians are the ones at the forefront of that depression, of that discrimination. Um, and they don't understand how it really trickles into families and actually affect the church because they do not look at the bigger picture of breaking families and breaking people and creating trauma. Speaking from St. Lucia in the Caribbean, that's Kanita Placide, the Executive Director of the Eastern Caribbean Alliance for Diversity and Equality, with us on Joy 94.9. Love that line, no political balls. It's just mm. that simple that... Um, uh, the, the the politicians didn't have the balls to stand up and say, okay, we're going to make this law, but the court made us do it, sir. You know, we yes. had to do it. It's a, it's a good out, really, isn't it? It is a good out, isn't it? I mean, we had echoes of that here in Australia, didn't we? Uh, yeah, well, it's, you know, it's, you know, as she said, it is a political suicide for in the eyes of many politicians to take this on, mm. regardless and she, of their personal views. It's too much of a risk of what could happen. And she did credit the Attorney-General in saying that they could have opposed it. They could have been yep. louder against it. Instead, they sort of chose to work within the the mm. system of the courts, which has, has brought a really good outcome. And I'm sure, you know, any reasonable Attorney-General would see the unfairness of yeah. the law, and if they've got a chance to change it without committing political suicide, as you say. Yeah. Um, living in the area, it's it's a case of uh, passing or, you know, if you stand out, the more you stand out, the more trouble you're going to get in. No surprises there. No. Yeah, what you were describing there in the last few minutes about, you know, the middle, the people in our community that tend to align more in the middle with, you know, mainstream um, standards, for lack of a better description. Just to mix in. Um, yes, uh, tend to get a pass, and those at the you know either end. Um, and and the relationships, how you you can uh, uh, be loving to your partner inside the four walls of your home, but outside you disassociate with them. It's like oh, mm. that would be that would mess with your mind. Absolutely. 
Coming up on Joy 94.9, we discuss with Kanita how they move from legal change to cultural change in Antigua, Antigua and Barbuda. This is World Wide Wave. Australia's only LGBTI radio station, Joy. In every country... Masculinity here is, is a highly valued prize. And every corner of the world... I'm fighting for rights of LGBT people in Nigeria. Breaking news and current issues. The LGBT community has definitely pulled together here in Orlando. Mixed with stories of everyday people. I'm a gay man. All with one thing in common. They're part of the world's diverse LGBTIQ community. Speaking from Ukraine. Mongolia. In Malaysia. Speaking from France. In South Africa. Every week we bring you stories of the rainbow community across the globe. This is World Wide Wave. And uh, you're on the show that takes you around the world one queer story at a time, World Wide Wave. A special hello to everyone listening to us on podcast. You can subscribe to receive our podcast automatically either at joy.org.au forward slash worldwide wave or iTunes or your favourite podcast platform and don't forget to leave a review. This week is Mm. International Non-Binary People's Day. Uh, It's on this Thursday and uh, we celebrate those who are non-binary. They don't identify exclusively as a man or a woman um, or they might have a mix of genders or just no gender at all. And pronouns are incredibly important. Very important. So many non-binary people prefer pronouns they them and their and here at joy the joy academy our training section offers diversity and inclusion training for groups and workplaces so if you've got uh, if you think this is important to your workplace raise it with the hr people say hey why don't we get somebody in to get everybody on the same page about pronouns go to joy.org.au for more information the world's longest running radio show dedicated to international LGBTIQ news and current affairs. This is World Wide Wave from Australia's rainbow radio station, Joy 94.9. Legal changes in LGBT rights are sometimes progressed through parliaments and sometimes through the courts. But as we have seen many times on this show, changing a law doesn't always mean there is a change in community attitudes towards the rainbow community. We ask Nita Placide from the Eastern Caribbean Alliance for Diversity and Equality how they plan to move this legal success to long-term cultural change that will make a difference to the daily lives of LGBT people in Antigua and Barbuda. We have a few more years to serve this, as you know. Cultural and social changes does not break in just like this. Um, you have to look at which country has the, the bigger impact on us. And you know what we have found? Even for persons who have left St. Lucia and currently living in the UK or in the US, they as St. Lucians would say they don't want this back home. But they are in countries where it is existent and they are navigating. And so it's interesting because one of the things is it's a foreign import. But let me tell you this, our work, my work, started because of right hands in Russia having lost three gay men to brutal attacks in 2005, 2006, and 2007. And so although I did not start the organization, I got involved in the organization because it was time to speak up and to speak out and hopefully to stop losing people 
because of the, the assumption of their sexuality or any actual sexuality. Um, but this was not something where they were just killed. They were tortured brutally. And, and that told me a different story that if we were not speaking up, what could continue happening? And it felt like we were losing one each year. Even when we had a trans woman brutally murdered by her partner in Antigua a couple of years ago, it had us to look deep. Why did the partner who considered this person his girlfriend, his wife, certainly burst out into that flare of anger? And we could have actually brought it back from what I was, the information we brought, to him being actually bullied by other friends for his partner and there was a flit of trauma that took place and inflicted. So again, it kind of shows how one thing plays on another. It does not excuse the fact that he murdered her, but it's actually showing where without feeling that you can get help, it then pushes your back against the wall into, in a particular way. So these things have taught us lessons that definitely says we have to continue the advocacy. And the advocacy, yes, the legal change came first, but our hope of the advocacy that is being done on the ground is gradual but definite change in the view and review of gay, lesbian, bisexual, trans people where you can actually create a space for their existence and their expression without feeling the fear of violence at any point. So there's certainly still a big job ahead for you. Um, tell us a bit about ECAID and what you do. So ECAID came about in 2015 from actually a consultation with all the organizations in the countries that we serve. And it's actually a network organization of LGBT organizations. So we have a partner organization in each of the countries. Um, we also have gender as a major part. And so we have women and girls organizations also working with us, particularly on the issue of gender equality and gender-based violence. We also look at a bit of climate change because we in the Caribbean and hurricanes is something that affects us every year, or should we say weather systems. Um, and so we also have to deal with flooding and what have you. So ECAID really looks at helping enhance uh, structures of organizations whilst building technical support, whilst providing technical expertise to them, building capacities and trainings, being that regional voice, which is a representative of 26 organizations across nine countries, um, doing some conversations and advocacy with government, but persons also in strategic positions such as diplomats. And we try to bring money to the region by letting funders know the work we're doing, organizations that need support. And the last part is ensuring that there is data to represent and understand the lives of the people that we're serving, which also serves as the data that represents the actual information on the ground. The continuous sharing of experience and best practices and challenges 
but also creating space for empowerment and learning new skills. So this is like a collective of what EKID does. Kanita Placid, the Executive Director of the Eastern Caribbean Alliance for Diversity and Equality. Thank you so much for joining us on Worldwide Wave. Thank you so much, and it's really a pleasure to be here. And as a matter of fact, look forward to seeing you for the Human Rights Conference happening in March 2023. Yes, we will be there. The Human Rights Conference at World Pride in Sydney. I noticed mm. World Pride tickets have just gone on sale this week, so if you're planning to go, pull your finger out, start making bookings. Um, great chat, and they're doing some um, great work there in the Caribbean. It... Um, really shows uh, advocacy never stops. I love that line, gradual but definite change, that mm. it's kind of a realistic approach. It's a bit of a non-threatening approach to um, other people who might, you know, be fearing some sort of major change. I think that's a really um, uh, solid way forward. Yes, it is. And, uh, you know, this is a region that's got a bit of a mixed story. You know, we know the horrendous stories from Jamaica, um, mm. you know, there was, which has a very strong parallel history to all these islands of ex-British colonies. It's great to hear that, you know, it's not, you know, and the church always plays a role, mm -hmm. but nonetheless, you know, their influence is, you know, just being um, counted, um, for lack of a better description. So, yeah, great. We, we did speak to Kanita too about, well, will this case have an effect on the others? She said there's nine cases mm. open at the moment, so will it have an effect on the others? And again, she was quite realistic about it in saying, you know, each one is a sovereign nation. They've got their own no. laws, their rules, their own situations. So whilst they can sort of lean on these sorts of rulings and they, the fact that they used India surprised me actually mm. uh, in their court case. So lean on legal precedent without any sort of assumption, again, sort of seems quite a realistic yeah. approach um, a great chat and we'll keep an eye on those other cases that are happening in the Caribbean receive LGBT news from around the world throughout the week like Worldwide Wave on Facebook now hi this is Matt Williams from Mawson Research Station and Antarctica on Worldwide Wave Listen live or on demand from wherever you are in the world. Stream us live on joy.org.au or subscribe on iTunes or your favourite podcast platform to Worldwide Wave. A huge thank you to our guest tonight, Kanita Placid, the Executive Director of the Eastern Caribbean Alliance for Diversity and Equality, or ECAID. You can follow their great work at ecequality.org or find them on Facebook. And thank you, everyone, who has indeed um, shared with us on Facebook, Slade, Hofler, Paul, Stefan, and a heap more who have joined us and tracked us on Facebook this past week. That's W3Joy on Facebook. Got a great behind-the-scenes team, too, our podcaster Peter and social media master Dean. Thanks for listening to another podcast from Worldwide Wave, the show that takes you around the globe one country at a time. Worldwide Wave is the international news and current affairs show on Australia's LGBT radio station, Joy 94.9. You can listen live every Tuesday night on 94.9 FM in Melbourne and online at joy.org.au. You'll find all our podcasts at joy.org.au slash worldwide wave or follow us on Facebook for the latest international LGBT news 
Search W3Joy on Facebook now. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy. Joy.